baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. The Chris and Amy Show, sponsored by Summer at SLU. Find your kids' best summer yet at St. Louis University. It's the Chris and Amy Show. Check it out. St. Louis, Mound City, we are going to have a great day today. Now, Amy Marks scores Chris Ranji on KMOX. Let's take it from the top. No Amy Marks scores today. Where is she? She's on vacation. Is she on vacation? She must be on vacation. Must be. Nobody tells me anything. Amy Marks Kors is out. Nate Gatter is in. You hear Nate Gatter um, for our soccer show on Sundays. And so, regularly on this show, thanks to and, Amy. And a lot of time. And because Amy takes so many vacations, <laughs> Nate Gatter is here. I'm we, we, we talked about that last time I was here. Amy pays my bills. She really does. Yeah. She's putting you through law school. She is. Good for her. Uh, but Amy is out. Uh, well, she'll be back when she's back. And uh, that's that. Hey, 314-436-7900. That's the number to call us and to text us uh, voicemails. We like those, too. 314-944-1120. You are free to leave those whenever you want. We've got social medias. So if you are on social medias, great. If you're not, get on it. And then follow us at Chris Amy KMOX. Time now for the top of the order. The top three stories everybody will be talking about. Well, City SC is back, baby. A win last night. The first victory in the first game of 2024. We'll celebrate that. 43-year-old Alexander Smirnov was charged last week, former FBI informant, with lying about evidence in the Hunter Biden probe, and uh, documents were released yesterday, so we'll talk about that. And how about this? Illinois taxpayers potentially could be on the hook for building a new stadium in Chicago. Yeah, we will discuss that uh, coming up on the show today. We will check in from Springfield, Illinois, as uh, there was a team owner in Chicago that wants the state to pay for his new building. Will he remain How? nameless? Or is his, you uh, haven't used his name. His name's Jerry Reinsdorf. We will talk about that uh, coming up on the show today. Celio oh. centering for a deterrent. Stolen now Kajima. Cuts Get in there! Uh, how about that? Hey, there's your game winner last night in the 90th minute, Nate, in the CONCACAF Champions Cup. Uh, City SC beats Houston 
And again, you could not get any last minute -er than that. So that's a good start to 2024. Yeah, Jose Kojima, as you heard Joey Zanaboni say, his contract was announced uh, just hours before the game kicked off, and he had been on the field four minutes or so when he scored his first professional goal and uh, and gave City the win. Now, the, the bit of cold water I'm going to throw on this uh -oh. for anyone uh -oh. who maybe doesn't know the format and how this works is that they won the game but they haven't actually advanced in the tournament because oh. they play two-legged ties. Come on, Nate. So it's on aggregate. So they'll play Houston again oh. away next week. This is ridiculous. And they go in with a 2-1 lead. And if you really want, we can dive later into the show into uh, how aggregate scoring works and the importance of away <sighs> goals and how they break ties. Oh, my God. But the, the, the important thing to take away is City have an advantage, but think of it as halftime rather than the end of the game. All right. So uh, more, more importantly than anything, but first of all, I'm not here to do math today. Right. So we're not going to we're not going to go. over. That's why that. I warned you and I didn't I, just do it. Yeah, I can't. I don't have any. Whatever you just said, it's already gone. Right. Um. So the city season has started. Well, the you know their their twenty twenty four has started. Yeah, it has. MLS season begins on Saturday. So, I mean, it's it's here's what it is. The last two days it was warm yesterday. It's going to be warm today in St. Louis. A couple of nice days. It feels very spring like today. And with spring comes new sports. We've got baseball starting up. You've got. The Cardinals playing their first spring training game on Saturday. In fact, it's a split squad game. They'll play the Marlins and the Mets. So, and by the way, we're going to have the broadcast on KMOX. So your first taste of spring training baseball right here on KMOX will be on Saturday. So we've got that. We've got soccer starting. Also Saturday, the MLS season begins. This, with all the things that have been going on, with all the politics that have been nasty and gross and... With, you know, what happened in Kansas City last week, um, it just, there's just so much bad news that it's really nice to have a little bit of a palate cleanser. For those of us who are fortunate enough to have one, it's nice that it, it feels like there is a, um, you know, a turning of the corner in a, in a sense, that you've got these these things that are about to happen, you've got the nice weather, you've got the sports that are coming back. St. Louis, a great sports town, obviously. But this is good. This is it, Today is a good day. Today feels nice. You know? Well, because they won last night. They, you because know. They, did, they did win, and the building was rock. I mean, I'm, I'm watching on TV, um, so I didn't get to go there. I still have not gotten to be at the stadium. You still yet. haven't been to a game? Yeah, nobody's invited me. Oh, okay. Well, we'll see, we'll see about that this year, Raj. Yeah, I need to go. Um, actually, I did get invited once or twice last year, but I couldn't because it was all last <laughs> Nobody's minute. invited me. Well, by by that, I mean nobody I actually yeah, want to you know go what? with. Not it, one of those weirdos. I was an afterthought. Oh, God. They're like, hey, you want to go to the game? It's in five minutes. Okay, well, you know, give me a little notice, would where's you? Your, where's your spontaneity, Raj? Well, but, I, you know, then I got to get... I, what, you turned 75 and all your spontaneity went out the window? Dude, you have no idea. Oh, my God. It's just not very good. Oh, but anyway, my God. But here we are. Sports are happening. Sports are happening. Uh, I, and I say this all the time. I joke about how brief this soccer offseason is. Yeah. Imagine if they hadn't gotten bounced in the first round of the playoffs, Dude, too. I they mean, it, it could have been a month shorter. I know. And they. <laughs> I'm not saying that it's, it's not better. I would much rather uh, have seen them go deep in the playoffs instead of get bounced in the first round. But here we are. You know, soccer's here, and it, it literally feels like they finished last month. I know. I, I have a good understanding of how the of the soccer calendar and everything, and it's still, as I was watching the game last night, it, it did feel like it just hadn't been very long. 
And it's kind of fun to be able to talk about things like, well, last season, and now that we're already, we're kind of past the language of the expansion team and everything's for, and it's sort of nice to be done with that. It was all a lot of fun, but it's nice to now just have a regular team doing regular team stuff. There's not any, and there's not any reason to think that, uh, you you looked at the building last night, um, full, people were into it. There hasn't been an empty seat for a game I, at City Park yet. It's it's not even if they're bad this year. Even if if just and I don't think it's going to be like this. And you know, get your thoughts on the team, and and what the prospects are. We'll do that when we come back. But um, I don't envision even if things don't go well, if they take a turn, which I don't think is going to happen. But if it does happen, I still see that building being full through the end of the year. Yeah, I think I think certainly. They would have to struggle for multiple years in a row at this point. Because think about the backlog of people who haven't, who have wanted to go, who have been following the team closely, but couldn't afford maybe to take a family of four last year. Because if you couldn't get tickets right from the team, and even if you could, they were expensive. And if you right. couldn't, they were out of this world in the secondary market. There are probably some people who would say, well, I'd love the team to be good. But the silver lining, if they, if they were bad this year, which again, we don't expect they would be, is that by August, September, if they were, you know, struggling, you could probably go for a much more affordable price. And and I'm sure there would be a long line of people who would still be more than willing to to fill those seats, even if the the folks who had been enjoying this past season weren't as interested in going to see a team that, yeah. that wasn't winning as much. Uh, so yeah, I expect it'll be quite some time until we're seeing, if ever, that we're seeing empty seats there. I'll tell you what sucks about this year. No prospect of Leo Messi showing up. No, that's true. Because they they play in Miami. That's true. In 2024. Messi is uh coming to Kansas City in April. Ooh. Uh and the the Sporting Kansas City moved that game to Missouri because you can't have Messi playing in Kansas, obviously. I mean, that would just be, you know. So they moved it to Arrowhead, which is good for somebody oh, if they're oh, looking to go saying. see him because the capacity went from 20,000-ish to Wait, like 70,000-ish. Hold on, hold on. Uh I probably should know this. Okay. Their stadium is actually in Kansas. Oh my God, Ranch! How long have we been doing this? I didn't know that. I didn't. Oh, know. I had no. This idea. is like a core principle of the whole city sporting thing that was going I on. I did not know this last year. You're kidding me. Are you joking? Are, are you? Is this? I, a I had no idea. Are Ethan, you messing did you with know me right this? now? Did you know? Ethan didn't know. Are James. You, James is. James acts this like is he the knows. Whole, this is the whole premise. Ethan. Hannaford I was aware says, of it being in Kansas. I have driven by by it multiple okay, times. Okay, well, because you've been by it. <laughs> How many people in St. Louis do you think know the that, that city Sporting fans who were part of this, like the whole rivalry that was going on last yeah. year? I think a lot of people know that's the whole point. That's you why the, people call them Sporting Kansas this instead of Sporting Kansas City because they're in Kansas. This isn't my fault. It is. This isn't my fault. I'll tell you why it's not my fault. It's Kansas City's fault for having two Kansas cities. Don't have a Kansas City, Kansas, and a Kansas City, Missouri. Yeah. That's your their, fault. Their stadium is perfectly fine, but it's on the Kansas side. It's like that's awful. a bunch of parking lots and a and like a Walmart strip mall around it. I mean, you know, Sporting Kansas City were runners-up to sign Cristiano Ronaldo like a yeah, year and yeah, a half yeah. ago when he went to Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Can you imagine if he would have been playing in Kansas across the street from a Walmart? Dude. I mean, what a Dude. life. What a life. <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what. Let's go to – I want to go to Arrowhead. I want to go watch uh, Sporting and uh, Miami play. Yeah, it'll still cost you Arrowhead. probably like 100-plus bucks a, a seat, but it won't cost you like 1000 as it would have. It'll at, be it'll be nice to go to Arrowhead and finally watch a good team play in that building. Oh, yeah. That's uh, – that was a joke. We're at home of the Chiefs. What are you doing? I know. I know. It's just reckless. I get it. I get it. They win a Super Bowl every year, Nate. I get it. I get it. It's so frustrating.
Good for you. Good for us. Home of the Chiefs. Wow. I'll never see a Super Bowl again in my lifetime. That's Nate Gatter. I'm Chris Ranji. Let's let's talk about what City SC actually is going to be. What kind of team next on KMO? Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. It's the Chris and Amy show on KMOX. Nate Gatter is in for Amy, who's currently on her deathbed, but she um, she did check in. I'm going to get to that in a moment. Um, text messages, 314-436-7900. As we just had the conversation about uh, Sporting KC, and I learned literally nine minutes ago that Sporting KC Stadium is not in Missouri. I had I didn't know. Sorry. Kansas City, to me, is in Missouri, and I know there's one in Kansas, so again, I blame them. I blame that metropolitan region for allowing there to be two Kansas cities. Because if you wanted to avoid confusion, you could have a West Kansas City. That's what they should have done. They didn't do that. Not my fault. It's theirs. Um, These texters say, one, from a 636, I had no idea they played in Kansas. This one says, I don't even like soccer, and I knew they had a stadium in Kansas. Another one says, I didn't know it was in Kansas either. And then Amy Marks Kors, who is the typical host on this show, she's here 51% of the time. So she's majority owner of that seat, but she's not here that often. Um, She said, I went there and didn't know it was in Kansas. Literally was at the stadium and did not know that. I don't know what to do with you people. But isn't there a river? But it never never occurred to you. No, there's no, no, river, there's there. no river. Okay. It, it never occurred to you. I've been over there, but it's been a long time. All of this time when when people last year, I don't know, maybe you don't read enough city stuff, but like people take great pride. It's kind of like Mizzou people do the like lowercase K and KU, which is like, oh, Kansas, not a state, whatever. Oh, how petty. Um, right. It's just it's just silly. Well, people do the do sporting Kansas and they do the lowercase K generally. <laughs> and the, the club will do this on like when St. Louis City post on like their social media, they'll call them sporting Kansas, usually with a lowercase K and not oh. put the city on the See, end. See, I'm not on the message joke boards. being. This is this is you were just saying if you're not on social media, get on it and find out. I'm not on. Well, not I don't do a lot of sporting KC social media stuff. Do you follow St. Louis City SC, the official yeah. account? Yeah, that's but what I'm never, saying. I've they, never noticed a lowercase. If they were K. playing Sporting Kansas City and it was written Sporting Kansas, no city and a lowercase I just, K, I, that I, something I just wouldn't didn't, occur I to didn't you? notice. I didn't. No, I probably I wouldn't have thought anything. Of I've it, never probably. doubted you as much as I am right I'm now. I'm sorry. I just didn't know. I didn't know. Somebody is taking exception to you. Who? Nate Gatter. Um, from a 618. It uh, says. Well, 618 already. The area. Ar- hey, you stop that. <laughs> the area around the Sporting KC Stadium is great. It has a great mall, raceway, training facilities, and great parking. Don't portray it as a Walmart parking lot. It makes you look ignorant. There's a Dave and Buster's there. The funny thing is Cristiano Ronaldo, the image of Cristiano Ronaldo going from the Bernabeu and Old Trafford to a stadium across the street from a Dave and Buster's. It doesn't matter what's really there. What is also, wrong with Dave and when Buster's? people say great, when people with 618 area codes say great parking, what they mean is nothing interesting is around there, but oh, there's a lot of big spaces it. where I can bring my, my SUV and park. That is what that means. Right. 
because there's a lot of lots. Right. And Kansas lots. City's really into that. So it's perfect for them because Arrowhead and and the and Kaufman are also way out in the suburbs on the other side. They have zero stadiums in the well, I guess that's technically the city limits extends that far it barely. Is. Well, no, it, but they have right? no stadiums, yeah. anything that would be called an urban area. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, you've been to Arrowhead or Kaufman. You've oh, been to Kaufman it, oh, for so sure. The tons last, of times. The last time I've been to the Kansas City area was 2002, uh, 2002. Really? Yeah. Interesting. That's I, I, went to a, I, I went to a Chiefs game. Did you not travel Tail- with the White Sox at all? Very rarely. Interesting. Yeah. Very rarely. I mean, I, I went to a lot of the stadium, Boston, Pittsburgh, Tampa, um, you know, never went to KC though. I don't know the exact mile. I would guess that if you know, if you dropped a pin in whatever would be considered right in the middle of downtown Kansas City, that Arrowhead and Kaufman are a good eight, ten miles east of that. Mm-hmm. They're probably farther from downtown as the crow flies than Sporting Kansas City Stadium is, even though it's on the other side of the state line. Would be my guess. I don't know for sure. Our stadium's nicer though, right? Than Sporting Kansas City's? Yeah. Much. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Texter says if Iowa City is in Iowa and New York City is in New York then what state do you think Kansas City is in? <laughs> I guess great, fair point. Great point. And he also says, just ask the former president. Though, did Kansas. you know there's a Missouri City in Texas? I so that feel causes like, a problem uh, for your theory. Uh, I, don't, it, I think it's it a suburb familiar. of a relatively big city because there are a, a lot of college athletes who come from there. And so okay. it's probably not a standalone little town. But this person, this person has a great point because there is a, where's Mexico City? It's in Mexico. Think about well, that. But, uh, but I'm, I feel like I'm undermining the point a little bit by naming and then Houston suburb, Missouri City. And then California City that and uh, Oregon City. Okay. What about Illinois City? You ever been there? Uh, oh, here we go. Thank you. Another text message. Guys, there is a river between the KC Missouri and KC Kansas uh, side. It's called the Missouri that can't be right. The Missouri River's not over there. That's like, is it? That constitutes the border between the states, like the Mississippi River does on I this side? Know. This is what are we doing here? What is happening today? This is what would. Anyway, is uh, City SC going to be good this year, Nate? Uh, so there is a. <laughs> yes. I'm looking at it right now. There is a river, but it, it's not. It doesn't constitute the state border. Okay. Because I, so. I remember I did go over into Kansas when I was there 20 plus years ago. Uh, we were in. Hello. 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 I hear Debbie Monterey for some reason. Hello, Debbie. Hi. That was fun. You okay? There she is. Uh, Debbie's got the news in a few minutes, and she just wanted to give you a quick preview. Um, so there is a, there is a, I do recall vividly when crossing the Kansas City border, I, I swear I crossed a river. Yeah. So if you, going we- if you were going west, and you cross I, over I from Missouri Lawrence. into Kansas. There is a you are going to cross a river at some point, but it's the river is not the border in the way that the Mississippi River is the border. Uh, texter says, "Welcome to Geography on KMOX." Hey, thanks for being here. This has been the Geography Half Hour, and we're going to do it every day, day now between ten and ten thirty. We will spend the first half hour of every Chris and Amy show discussing geography in the state of Missouri. Like it or not. All right, that's Nate Gatter. I'm Chris Ranji. Let's talk some Russia stuff. Want to do that? Yep, we'll do it when we come back on KMOX. It's Chris and Amy's show on KMOX. It is time to go to the Quiver River Electric guest line today because there's been um, a lot of developments as it pertains to Russia and Ukraine and even some uh, domestic things uh, concerning Russia, but we'll get to that in the next segment. 
But right now, we're going to take some time to visit with Ellen Carnegie, who is a St. Louis University professor of political science, who joins us now on KMOX. Ellen, we appreciate your time today. Thank you for visiting with us. Glad to be here. Wanted to focus on the death of Alexei Navalny with you, the uh, development that happened just a few days ago that it almost felt like it was inevitable after he went back to Russia, after escaping uh, many years ago, he decides to go back. He's been in prison. Um, the situation there with him and the fact that he is now dead and everybody suspects that Vladimir Putin had everything to do with his death. What does this mean greater picture for the politics of that region and ultimately the United States? Okay, well, I think one thing to keep in mind is that the opposition, um, the anti-Putin opposition in Russia, which, of course, would include Navalny, was in very restricted situation prior to Navalny's death. Uh, that is to say, it was almost impossible to say anything um, publicly that would criticize Putin or especially the war in Ukraine. Um, most prominent opposition leaders were either in prison, like Navalny, or in exile. Um, many people, not at all prominent, had also decided that they weren't safe to stay in the country and had left the country. So, the, the opposition prior to Navalny's death was in a very restricted state, and it remains in that state today. So in, in some ways, his death doesn't, doesn't make it worse um, because it had been in such a poor shape beforehand. Would there have been a real political – let's say he wasn't in prison for any reason and, and Putin didn't – I mean, he very quite literally uh, imprisoned a political opponent. It, let's say that had not happened. Would he had a real opportunity to defeat Putin in an election? Um, well, there's two questions involved in that question you just asked. One was, would he be able to run? Yeah. Uh, and the second question is, would he be able to win? Um, I think it's fairly clear he would not be able to run. Any candidate that Putin see, sees as an actual threat um, never manages to get on the ballot. And usually the, the, the reason is that the Election Commission says that some of the signatures that uh, were on the petition to get the person on the ballot are invalid. And the Election Commission can pretty much do that at will. Um, so that, it's highly unlikely that he ever would have been able to run um, in a presidential election. Had he been able to run in a presidential election, it's not at all clear that he would have won. Um, that, that is to say, he is perhaps the best-known um, opposition figure, but he is not university, universally loved within Russia. And part of that is because of the Putin regime's control of the press, so that what a lot of people know about Navalny is is what Putin chooses for them to know, and it's not at all flattering. Um, but given that situation, um, it would have been hard uh, for him to um, be a credible threat. I think the thing with dictators, though, is that they don't tend to have really good information about what people think and how people might behave. Um, and so they're worried about potential threats, uh, even if that potential threat is not... Um, not necessarily going to immediately push them from office. Bearing all of this in mind, what is the future, do you think, in the short and maybe longer term for the Russian opposition? Um, well, I, 
I think in the in the short term, uh, things are likely to remain roughly as they are, with people um, who are involved in the opposition uh, most active outside the country as opposed to within the country. And that, of course, is a real restriction in terms of uh, effectiveness. Um, Navalny's wife, uh, Yulma Yulia, um, has announced that she's going to take over leadership of his organization, um, and she strikes me as a really competent woman, um, and I think she has, uh, at this moment in time, but probably going forward as well, a, a fair amount of sympathy from the population. Um, and uh, so uh, there, there's some potential there, uh, but that doesn't change the overall situation that there's not much a pol- an opposition politician can do from outside Russia. And if uh, they return to Russia, they tend to end up in prison. We have seen over the last several months, and I think we could all see this coming, the difficulty in getting more funding to Ukraine in their effort to drive Russia out of their country following the invasion. And there have been mostly it's been mostly Republicans who have been against the idea of sending more aid. It's not all of them. There are plenty of Republicans that think that we should continue to fund Ukraine. Would it be a mistake for the United States, and, and I mean, I guess you could answer this from a European perspective, too, but for the United States itself and, and our interests, would it be a mistake if we failed to support them in their effort? Well, I certainly think it would be a mistake. Um, I think I think what we have seen in the last couple of months in terms of uh, where what's happening in the fighting in Ukraine is that Ukraine is having trouble holding the line um, without the aid that they had been getting in the past. Um, and uh, that without that aid, um, it is much more likely that Russia will simply win. Um, and if Russia wins in Ukraine, um, I see no reason why Putin wouldn't want to move on to other countries. Um, and probably the first of those might be Moldova, which is not a NATO member. Uh, but after that, we start getting into um, NATO members. If Putin attacks a NATO member, the United States is obligated uh, by the terms of the NATO treaty to defend that person. Uh, I think we'd be much better off fighting this war in Ukraine than in Poland. Ellen Carnegie, St. Louis University professor of political science. We appreciate your time. Great information again. Thank you for talking with us. Thank you very much. That is Ellen Carnegie visiting with us on the Quiver River Electric guest line. We have uh, more Russian related news uh, to bring to you or a story that's happening now, but more so as it pertains to domestic issues. And we'll discuss that with Scott McFarland from CBS News. A correspondent is with us when we come back on the Chris and Amy show on KMOX. Chris and Amy show on KMOX. Amy is out. Nate Gatter is in. I'm Chris Ranji. Back to the Quiver River Electric guest line we go this morning and we visit with a regular on the show. It is Scott McFarland from CBS News who uh, covers Washington, White House. He's he's all over the place. He's fantastic, and he is with us now on KMOX. Scott, good morning. Right back at you. Good morning. Hey, let's uh, let's talk about what's happening with this Alexander Smirnoff news. There were court documents that were um, uh, released yesterday. We heard about them, uh, you know, later in the afternoon, early evening. And explain exactly what he is guilty of doing, because now he's been charged by the Department of Justice. 
And there's a new uh, filing that came out a few moments ago from the special counsel in this case, again, asking a judge to keep Alexander Smirnoff behind bars until trial. There's obviously concern here about this guy. Smirnoff faces two federal criminal charges, accused of making a false statement and making a fictitious report. He's an FBI informant and has been for some time. But according to the prosecutors, he spun false tales about Hunter Biden, the president's son, and President Biden, linking them to some bribery allegation involving the Ukrainian energy company Burisma. And the prosecution says that these are false claims, but they're not just incidental false claims. These statements by Alexander Smirnov to the FBI led to the filing of an FBI report, as they do with their witnesses, and it has been the backbone of this House Republican effort to lead an impeachment inquiry into President Biden. Now the prosecutors are saying it's all false and they want him jailed, saying he's a flight risk and that he has not just ties to foreign intelligence, but he claims to have ties to Russian foreign intelligence. What's more, they say he claimed Russian foreign intelligence is the one poning up these false stories about Hunter Biden. What are the implications then for both the inquiries into Hunter Biden and ultimately if there are any for the president? Yeah, we brought that question to House Republicans, and so far they have indicated they are full steam ahead. That This FBI informant's information was not the entire basis of their inquiry, that they have other questions about other business dealings involving the family, and they will proceed. In fact, they are proceeding right now with a closed-door interview of the president's brother, James Biden. And then a week from today, right back here in Washington on Capitol Hill, a closed-door deposition with Hunter Biden. They are unflagging in their efforts to continue with this impeachment inquiry. But Democrats say if it's all based on a lie or if so much of it is based on a lie, you got to drop this thing immediately. And a lot of this information, um, the likes of James, James Comer and Jim Jordan went, you know, as you mentioned, full steam ahead on this entire thing uh, in large part as a result of of this guy's testimony. Are there any any possible repercussions for them as a result of all of this? Well, they're going to get more heat from the Democrats and maybe the people whose minds and hearts they're trying to change are less inclined now to change their minds and change their hearts about this whole political endeavor, which is this impeachment inquiry. If they were trying to it'd be harder to sway people now. But I think ultimately there's a, there's another political end here. They are just by having an impeachment inquiry, just by having the inquiry watering down the impact of the word impeachment at just the time they'd like to do so, as they're about to nominate a twice impeached former president to be their nominee for the White House. Watering down that word serves a purpose, even if it doesn't get anywhere. And with this informant story falling apart, um, it's a real kneecapper for their efforts to get an impeachment vote on the floor and for it to pass. It, it, it is, but is there a, uh, as it pertains to Biden, but as you mentioned, Hunter Biden is not in the clear as a result of all of this. Yeah, the same prosecutor who is bringing the charges against the FBI informant, accusing this informant of making false statements, is the same prosecutor who actually is prosecuting Hunter Biden on tax charges in California. He's the one who's been investigating Hunter Biden for some time, and it's always worth underscoring. He's a special counsel now. Before that, he was the U.S. attorney and still is the U.S. attorney in Delaware. And he was appointed by Donald Trump, and he began the investigations of Hunter Biden in Delaware. He's brought the charges in California. There's some nexus to California in the case. But he's still full steam ahead with his prosecution of Hunter Biden in the federal courts near Los Angeles. 
Bearing in mind your point about why there might be political motivations at this particular moment in time for Republicans in the House to try to water down the shock value or the impact of the word impeachment, how much of this do you think is explicitly politically motivated as compared to how many of those House Republicans might still be true believers, if you will, on on what they're pushing, uh, any allegations against whether it's Hunter or ultimately the president? It's a real good question. It's hard to answer, but it's it's the question to ask rhetorically because we are now in the heart of an election cycle, not just nearing the election. We're in this thing now. What's more, so many of these congressional Republicans, to a degree the Democrats on these panels too, face the prospect of primary challenges back home, and the only challenge they have to re-election is to lose in a primary. So they don't want to get outflanked to the right. So I don't see anybody equivocating on the need to do an impeachment inquiry among the Republicans who've already supported it. And it's hard to divorce this from the politics of the moment. And Scott, last thing before we, we let you go this morning, um, we, we spent the last segment talking a little bit about about Russia and Ukraine and the funding that is being held up in our Congress as a result of people who just don't want to send money that way. With the death of, of Alexei Navalny, do you see any... Any movement, any shift toward getting something done to get some aid to Ukraine? Yes and no. I mean, it certainly has raised the profile of the issue and the fact that this money needed to be approved in 2023, according to the Biden administration. And here we are nearing the end of February 2024, and it's not done. The political fundamentals here are that if they put this vote on the floor of the House to fund Ukraine, it would pass. Pretty overwhelmingly, there's a coalition of Republicans who would join a very large coalition of Democrats to do so. But getting it on the floor is the trick. Getting leadership and the speaker to agree to put something they don't want on the floor, even if it passes, is difficult. There's no indication Navalny's death has changed that. But it certainly has reaffirmed the need to support Ukraine among those who already believe it. And Maybe they try a third way or try to exert some political muscle to force it onto the floor over the objection of leadership. CBS News Congressional Correspondent Scott McFarland, good to talk to you again. Thank you for visiting with us today. Same. Uh, Scott McFarland, follow him on Twitter, at McFarland News. He is very, very good. So all of the <laughs> just Russia, like, here's what is, is very evident um, going back several years now. Russia loves to be involved in our politics. They love the fact we have infighting. It is so beneficial to them. Vladimir Putin is eating all of this up. Loves every bit of it. Just trolling. Just loves it. Loves it. Loves uh, the the idea of at least trying to involve himself in elections or discourse, whether it's these, you know, Russian troll accounts on Twitter or on Facebook, just trying to uh, turn Americans against each other. They are very successful at it. They've, I mean, we do it to ourselves, but they are helping and they are good at it. And we need to stop letting them be good at that. That's Nate Gatter. I'm Chris Ranji. Hey, guess what? Um, there's a guy, a rich guy in Chicago that wants you in Illinois to pay for his new stadium. Yeah, we're going to tell you about that when we come back on KMOX. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.